This week on episode 470 of Priority One, we trek out what James McAvoy plans to do with his scent, Lower Decks announcements, Discovery Discoveries, and what Star Trek adjacent projects to keep an eye out for, today and in the future. In Star Trek Gaming, we share with you which game developers are taking action for a more equitable future. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 470 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, July 21st, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, July 24th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. And in our audio booth is our chief engineer, Skiffy. Hello, everybody. Before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on the weekly conversations, whether via social media platforms like Facebook.com, forward slash Priority One Podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod or by email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Captains, maintaining these features, unfortunately, is not free. We do rely on the generous donations and contributions by our patrons over at Patreon.com. There, you can offer a monthly contribution from anywhere between a dollar or upwards to whatever you'd like. However, we do have specific tiers where we try to reward you as best we can. For instance, at just $5, chat with us throughout the week on our dedicated Captain's Table Discord channel. Or for $10, you get four bonus episodes of Priority One Podcast featuring... This month, Dr. Robert Hurt. So be sure to check us out over at patreon.com forward slash priority one pod. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Captains, we've been down this road before. We've asked you to pick any other actor to take on the role of someone like Sir Patrick Stewart's Jean-Luc Picard. Who would you pick to play a young Picard? Tony, who would you pick? There's only one choice, Elio. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Okay. Kat, who would you who would you pick? Uh Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Interesting, right? Okay, sure. Skiffy. I got nobody. Sean Connery. Go with safe choice, Sean Connery. <laughs> oh, Sean Connery as as Picard? As young Picard, absolutely. He could do that. He could do it. Ron Perlman says Advisory Panda in the chat. Sure. <laughs> All obvious choices. We've had people like David Tristan Birkin playing a de-aged Picard in the TNG episode Rascals. Tom Hardy got a go at it as Picard's dastardly clone in the forgettable Star Trek Nemesis. But according to one Picard hopeful. He is the only choice. Who would that be? Well, 
none other than young Professor Xavier himself, James McAvoy. Sitting down virtually with late night host Jimmy Fallon, James McAvoy responded to the question of whether or not he would consider playing a young Picard, saying, quote, That is the only world that exists in which I will play as Jean-Luc Picard. Any other world is just an alternate reality in a bad episode of Star Trek. After vowing to be Picard, even if it was on a phone shop movie a la his Star Trek spoof, Star Fox! Sci-Fi Solution! McAvoy painted a picture with his words, saying, I'm calling it right now. I'm, I'm doing the virtual lockdown equivalent of rubbing my scent all over Patrick's face and saying this territory is mine. <laughs> all of the bold actors can to watch the full interview, which covers the aforementioned Star Force, his charity efforts, and other projects, be sure to check out our show notes. So, did you guys catch this Star Force sci-fi solution? Part of our homework was to watch that Jimmy Fallon clip, and it was fine. It was good. It was funny. Clearly, James McAvoy has a sense of humor about himself and handled being in isolation. And then I went and watched the clips. Gold. Absolute gold gold these these star force things they're shot in vertical iphone like the world's crappiest movies always are but he's got like really good actors doing this in their houses and they clearly understand like the sci-fi tropes and are just playing off them to the hilt it is brilliant not only that it was well edited they had a pretty great use of sound effects i noticed the micro the ding of a microwave being finished thrown in every once in a while and they had a wilhelm scream which is which is great it's exactly what happens when you know it, no one has the tools at home right there's no set construction not everybody has like fancy green screens you don't have days and weeks of post-production available to you it's what happens when people with like talent and skill and passion are like left with stone knives and bear skins <laughs> and this is what they come up with i mean they cut off little F's on sticky notes and tape them to their shirts for their badges and stuff. And there's a sequel. There's a Star Force 2. And it's even better than the first one. Here's the thing, is that that goes a long way, man. That goes a long way. The fact that this is so rudimentary filmmaking, you know, and, and very no budget, no budget at all. And then, by comparison, you have this platform now called Quibi or something like that which is like short super short like under five minute films that are budget breakers and I'm sure some of those things might be fun to watch there might be some interesting content on there but sometimes you just can't be a good cell phone and the shoestrings from your shoes and a paper towel roll for something. Did you guys see the Princess Bride one? That was the, like the last of Carl Reiner at the end, but like all these actors recreating Princess Bride. Yes. That was <laughs> that was hilarious and well done and they all had their costumes and you know it was a bunch of different people. Yeah, I think quarantine has brought out <laughs> some people's serious creative sides when you're stuck at home. The history is that Elijah Wood when he was uh, auditioning for the part of Frodo in the Lord of the Rings, like, filmed himself in his backyard being Frodo, and sent that in, and sent that in for his audition tape, and it just, it knocked everybody out. Oh, nice. This is James McAvoy, McAvoy's Frodo moment. They need to make Star Trek Stargazer, and he needs to star in it, for sure. That's right. I was gonna lead you into that, damn it. Sorry, I was already there. You didn't even have there. to go oh, there. I was just gonna say, my favorite part was by far the away team monster that they had to escape from. <laughs> With a little dog. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's cute. Well, that leads us to our first community question this week. Who would be your choice to play a young 
Sir Patrick as a Picard? Your answer should be James McAvoy, but if you can think of somebody else that you think might fit the role better, then be sure to share it with us. Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All aboard! (laughs) The Lower Decks hype train is leaving the station. Star Trek's first animated series in 46 years is set to debut on August 6th, and the folks at CBS want the world to know about it. Last week, we got our first look at the trailer for the series, which we talked about in episode 469 of Priority One. And this week, we get four new screenshots and a new recurring character announcement. On July 15th, three of the four new photos were released through fan sites like Trek Movie and Trek Core and feature our scrappy heroes at work and play. The fourth screenshot came on July 20th with the exclusive deadline announcement that Black Monday's Paul Shear would play Lieutenant Commander Andy Billups, the chief engineer on the USS Cerritos. In the still, we see the chief engineer, a smiling middle-aged man with a mustache, poking away at an engineering console while speaking to Ensign Rutherford. In regards to Shear, the actor-comedian isn't new to voiceover work, having done voices for Cartoon Network's Adventure Time and Netflix's decidedly adult Big Mouth as well as Fox's Seth MacFarlane-helmed American Dad and others. To have a look at the screenshots, as well as read a bit more about Paul Shear, check out the show notes. Who was he in Adventure Time? That's what I was looking up. He's Toronto. Is that the horse? Toronto? I need to watch some more Adventure Time. Nah, that's like Crazy Ed or something like that. This seems undoubtedly like it's going to be a very adult show. Uh, much like Rick and Morty, right? Rick and Morty being that kids happen to watch it. I remember I was talking with somebody who had kids and they're like, ah, oh, yes, I have my, I let my kids watch it. I was like, what? You let your children watch that show? Oh, why? Is it bad? Y- yeah, it's, it's very adult. Very, very, very adult. And I don't mind that necessarily because I think about what happened with Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. I'd say adults over 28 stumbled upon it, right? Because their kids were watching it and they didn't really know what was happening or what they were watching. Like the Red and Stimpy of our day, of my day kind of thing. Oh my God, that's a, oh yeah. I did too, but it was wrong to like it back then. Here's the difference is that Lower Decks is going to be behind a paywall in the United States at the very least, right? So will Lower Decks reach that younger audience and trick parents into watching, letting their kids watch this, will it have the same impact that Rick and Morty did being behind a paywall as opposed to Rick and Morty, which was on cable television, Cartoon Network, and way more accessible to the masses. This is the opposite that's being marketed. So, I mean, if people don't know that a new Star Trek cartoon is out, that means that the marketing people have not done their job. It's the kind of the opposite of a Rick and Morty. This is going to be... Why don't you tune into Lower Decks? Come on. We've told you all about it. Because you have to pay for it. That's the key. That's the, the linchpin here, right? Is the fact that it's behind a paywall. That's the problem with this is that it's the behind a paywall. So when it's behind a paywall, will it be able to reach the potential audience? The potential audience is people who let their subscriptions lapse when Picard stopped. I don't think they're going to bring new people to CBS All Access with this, I think they're going to bring back people who let their subscriptions lapse from Star Trek Picard. Because the strategy here is to always have some new Star Trek on All Access so that people keep subscribing month to month. Yeah, because they're not subscribing for other shows. Right. I mean, they don't have anything else to watch. Uh, I actually think they will bring new a new 
audience to this. I think people that do like Rick and Morty will see clips of this posted to social media like they do with every show, and they'll go, oh, that looks you know pretty funny, and uh, might give it a shot. Now, uh, CBS All Access gives you a free trial? Mm-hmm. So that's what makes it accessible is you sign up for the seven-day free trial, and if you like it, you keep subscribing, or you forget to unsubscribe, or whatever your case may be. Or it's too hard to unsubscribe. <laughs> You're like, how do I even do that? Ah, yes, the AOL approach. Absolutely. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> the cancellation or postponement of conventions in 2020 due to COVID-19 is a thing, but it has started a bit of a movement, the virtual con. This week, starting on July 15th, Deep Space Nine star and 7th Rule podcast host Sirik Lofton spearheaded the free virtual TrekCon, a five-day convention that hosted stars and crew from across the Star Trek multiverse. On Sunday, July 19th, moderator Ryan Husk sat down with the stars of Star Trek Discovery, and though no big spoilers were dished, we did get a few interesting nuggets for the dipping in the Trek sauce. Husk was joined by Doug Jones as well as Linus, David Benjamin Tomlinson, Sirana, Hannah Speed, and Dr. Pollen's Raven Dowda. In an exchange with David Tomlinson, who has played Klingons and Kelpians, among others, Doug Jones revealed that everyone's favorite Saurian will be back for Season 3. I love our screen time together, and we're, you're going to see a couple more moments with us in Season uh, 3. In speaking about Linus's eating habits, Tomlinson and Jones tease a little about Linus's screen time, saying, quote... We see a little bit more uh, in season three of what he eats. We do, and when when we do, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say it. I, it's the, one of the funniest moments of the entire season. I'm just gonna say that's that. There you go. End quote. Hannah Spear, who played Saru's sister Serana, may have hinted that Serana could return in another iteration of Star Trek. Think uh, Strange New Worlds or maybe Section 31. When moderator Ryan Husk asked Spear if she was aware of that possibility, she replied, "Quote." I mean, yeah, that would be a dream come true. End quote. To be fair, the audio clip doesn't explain the claim of a spoiler, but in the video, she follows up her statement with a few big Groucho Marx waggle eyebrow moves. The panel is just under an hour and really highlights the love all the people involved with Discovery share for one another. You'll also get some insight into how Serana's character was created, Tomlinson's love of prosthetics, and how Raven Dowda would love to be the chief medical officer of Discovery. You can give it a watch by trekking out our show notes. I got to give a shout out to everybody over at Virtual TrekCon for uh, putting all of this together. The name that kept coming up for me time and time again was uh, Anne-Marie Siegel. She seemed to have been the person in the weeds reaching out to everybody to put together the schedule. I don't know. I am positive and certain that so many more people were involved and helped. And it was an honor and privilege to work with Lawrence uh, of Geek Life Rules over in New York City to put together the virtual con cosplay cabaret i didn't do anything to put it together i submitted my video and it was just phenomenal it was phenomenal performances by passionate geeks and nerds just like us we'll have links to the cosplay cabaret virtual cosplay cabaret in our show notes so i encourage you to check that out i had a nice time doing a parody rendition of stars written by tony hunter and ali i don't get first credit on that one i like to a rewrite and Jake, and Jake, of course. So it was definitely a team effort here at Priority One Podcast to put together that uh, that parody. It was super fun. Be sure to check it out. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. Jake started it. It's been a while since we've had new Star Trek. We're not complaining, really. But the final episode of Picard aired back in March, and since then, nothing. Well, this week saw a bunch of news cross our feeds about Star Trek stars and other upcoming roles or mediums, so we figured we'd share them with you now so that you'd have them for, you know, the next five-month drought. 
A new documentary featuring Nichelle Nichols' role in NASA's recruiting program, which focuses on women and people of color, has struck a distribution deal with Shout Studios. The film, titled Women in Motion, will feature interviews with friends, colleagues, experts, and Star Trek stars. It's expected to release in 2021. If you're itching for something this moment and are in the mood for a bit of a downer, HBO's documentary Showbiz Kids is out now with stories from Wesley Crusher himself, Will Wheaton. According to HBO's website description, quote, Showbiz Kids offers an unvarnished look at the high-risk, high-reward business of working as a child actor in the entertainment industry. Written and directed by former child actor Alex Winter of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and the Panama Papers, The film chronicles the shared experiences of prominent former child stars and the personal and professional price of fame and failure on a child, end quote. Looking for something a little lighter and don't mind waiting about a week? Well, the long-awaited Unbelievable is set for its streaming release on August 1st. The sci-fi comedy sports a Team America-style marionette, Snoop Dogg, and over 40 Star Trek alumni. To go along with the release, there will be events all day. We'll post a link in the show notes if you want to trek them out, of course. And finally, a little casting news. Star Trek's Kelvin Spock, Zachary Quinto, has been cast in the Amazon Prime animated series Invincible. Based on the graphic novel of the same name, the story follows the son of Earth's greatest superhero, not Superman. As the young man begins to manifest powers, he starts his own adventures to varying degrees of success. Quinto will play a superhero named Robot, an ally to the protagonist Mark Grayson. Invincible is from the same author that wrote the Walking Dead graphic novels, and the series is set for release at the end of 2020. Well, there you have it. Bookmark our show notes so you don't forget any of these releases. Well, Zachary Quinto is tailor-made for this role, isn't he? Given that he got his start on Heroes. Oh, very true. Yeah, that's a good point. But he was the bad guy in Heroes, not the sidekick. I know, and he was awesome. He was so good. So good. He was good. That uh, unbelievable movie. They were at one of the conventions. I think it was the 50th anniversary one. So this movie's been in post-production hell for a long time. So it's it's, it's finally going to come out. They were giving away free t-shirts. It's still one of my wife's very favorite ones, but she doesn't ever wear it outside the house because the tagline on it is live long and prosper. And right underneath it in, you know, 86 point font, whatever, says my ass. <laughs> uh, so she doesn't, she doesn't wear it around, but it's, one of her favorite shirts. So that gives you kind of a hint of what the movie will be about. You had me at Snoop Dogg. I'm in. So we're going to watch that. <laughs> well, Captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, in gaming news in the Star Trek multiverse that does not include Star Trek Online, here's what we got. Quote, Who overcomes by force hath overcome but hath his foe? End quote. Of course, you've not experienced Milton until you've read the text in the original Klingon. Brush up on the classic literature of Kronos during Star Trek Timeline's Stovacor Lost skirmish event running from July 23rd through 27th. Dr. Edward LaForge joins the Timelines lineup as this event's five-star ranked reward crew, with high event bonuses coming from the new five-star Mother Laurel. 
new four-star Groom Wharf, and returning four-star Q Jr. as event crew. And what is a skirmish event without the armies of heaven to command, with the two-star Klingon Cavort Bird of Prey, four-star USS Defiant, and the new five-star IKS Negvar, the brazen throat of war shall never cease to roar. Kapla, everyone! <laughs> <laughs> By now, Star Trek Timelines players have no doubt been confronted with some kind of in-game pop-up anomaly, asking them to accept publisher Tilting Point's terms of service and privacy policy. On July 17th, Wicked Realms announced the switch from former owner Disruptor Beam's terms, noting that players would have to accept the terms to continue playing. The post acknowledges recent concerns with the game's offer wall feature and a review of what advertising partner Iron Source SDK collects when the game is launched on Android. Remember, the offer wall is indefinitely gone from iOS. However, any offers you, the player, accept via the offer wall will, quote, take place outside of the game and outside the control of Tilting Point or Iron Source and you may be requested to share additional information on a voluntary basis to the third party managing that offer. And such information will be subject to that third party's privacy policy." End quote. So, you know, not our circus, not our monkeys, caveat lusor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yikes. Nothing like following up the fine print with a little Latin, because that, cause that mm -hmm. clears everything right up. Mm-hmm. Does anybody remember when we used to, be, when we used to just buy games and not have to worry about ads? No, no, I and don't. And be explorers. That's before, you know, cell phones. Yeah, it, mo mobile ga mobile gaming. Part of its attraction is the fact that they can dig in and find out all things, all kinds of things about you. So yeah, it's that's why I avoid it like the plague. But here's what I don't understand about mobile gaming particularly, right, is that first, I'm not a heavy mobile gamer. I'm not, you know, this is outside of my wheelhouse. I will admit it, but I don't know. I just, if there's a game or a game title that I am enjoying, I typically end up buying the pro version of it so that I don't have to worry about ads or whatnot. Yeah. Um, or in the case of Pokemon Go, which I mentioned last week, I only buy what I need from the store which you know are inventory upgrades or whatnot things that things that help the game but beyond that i'm i don't feel like i'm giving up much of myself on my phone i will say this though as a as i continue my scholarly endeavors to improve upon my information technology skills and cybersecurity, i put less and less stuff on my phone man less and less stuff if I don't know a game title, if I don't know a developer, if I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, it is not going on. As, as you were saying, as you were talking about that, I realized I have to walk back my statement. No, I have been, I, there have been mobile games I've really enjoyed, but the only time I've actually gone in and done it is when I know the publisher, like you were just saying. Like, like I did, I did, I, I spent a lot of time on the uh, uh, Trexels. Oh, I love Trexels. Right, because I, I read up on the publisher and I thought this was an okay thing. I, it didn't last very long. It's maybe about a month or so. But the the Fallout Shelter from Bethesda, you know, that that's a game. It's an established gaming company. They licensed out the stuff to another another bunch. But I knew that there was like a, a gaming, a game company that publishes games behind it. I felt more comfortable if there was a company that wanted to continue publishing titles in the same genre and was worried about 
public relations and their brand identity, like don't screw this up, don't drive people off, don't ruin people's lives, or we'll yank our license from you. That makes me feel better, makes me feel more comfortable. That's all we have to cover this week in Star Trek Gaming. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our community question was, now that we have a sense of what type of show Lower Decks might be, what defines Star Trek for you? From Twitter, Bobby said, Star Trek for me is ultimately an optimistic vision of humanity's future, a story where cooperation overcomes competition. It may be hard to see the optimism, war may happen, the story can go to some really dark places, but in the end, that uplifting message always wins out. On Twitter, Duncan Idaho went into a long comparison of science fiction versus sci-fi, but did say his definition of Star Trek was set in the Star Trek universe, officially licensed or created under an end user license agreement. Like the Foundry used to be. Oh, I see. Damn uh, straight, Duncan Idaho 11. Ooh, you know I what I'm talking one. about. Hey, what was the name of that series that uh, Tony made? Everybody get your cups ready. Overture. On Instagram, for Cabezas Lucha writes, it's still that ideal future where humanity finally gets it together and as a species, we work together to better ourselves. What Lower Decks reminds us of is that even in the 24th century, a quote, perfect world, you can still have a sense of humor. You know, look, I know that sometimes I ask questions that seem as though I hate everything. That's not the case. I don't hate the idea of Lower Decks, at not at all whatsoever. I ask questions to hope to inspire discussion amongst at least my fellow hosts here on Priority One Podcast. So like last week's question about what is Star Trek and how does Lower Decks fit in, it's just to have a discussion. I'm excited about Lower Decks. I think it's going to be hilarious. And from Instagram, friend of the show, Jamal Taylor replied, Trek at its best for me is when we press beyond our frailties and get to seek out things that amaze, terrify, and challenge us on every level. When we can look back at who and what we are now and wonder how we managed to get over ourselves and be more. New worlds, new civilizations, and unlimited possibilities. On Facebook, Kevin Thompson said, I will admit, because it is Trek, that there could be a bit of a cringe factor if they tread on things I might personally find sacred. But I'll have to be the judge for myself for those instances, whether it ruins the whole show for me. Also from Facebook, Larry Gonzalez said, Star Trek is about exploring ourselves and exploring new ideas, finding new solutions to universal problems by thinking outside the box. And wrapping up the Facebook commentary, Joseph Howard writes, Looks great! I can't wait for an animated, lighthearted Trek. I hope this show converts so many younger people to the Trek fandom. Also, this series stuff in STO, gimme. You know, there is... Headlines have come up periodically about reasons why we all love to watch reruns and rewatch our old shows, like Star Trek, for instance. Oh, I um, saw that. And one of them being that people who are prone to suffer from anxiety will put on a show, whether it's in the background or to go to sleep, because they know what's going to come next, because they know what to expect. They know what is about to happen and they'll never be surprised. Yeah, it makes sense. I wonder if you were to poll Star Trek fandom, how many people watch Star Trek for that reason? And then the next question will be, when a new episode airs, it is that anxiety of the unknown that causes 
the... No, this isn't Star Trek. I will say this, though. Speaking personally, somebody who suffers from anxiety, has taken medication for it, Star Trek, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, the classic Trek are the ones that I will play in the background or fall asleep to, but I cannot do that with Discovery, and nor can I do that with Picard. Mostly because of the fact that it is not, I think it's a whole bunch of things, and it's probably a whole episode that we can get into <laughs> on its own, really what it boils down to. But I think that that's a lot of the apprehension that people might feel, is that not only is it unknown, and we're always apprehensive of the unknown, but Star Trek has kind of always, since 1964 to 2004, yeah, five, has been roughly the same formula. And now we're throwing chocolate chips and pistachios and Nutella swirls into this mix, and we don't know what's going on. It's, it's the same reason why Pachelbel's Canon in D is in every pop song ever. It's the same reason why pop songs themselves are three to four minutes long with an opening and a first verse and then a second verse, then a chorus, then a bridge, and then repeat those. They like small changes in familiar patterns, and if you get out of that, it can be exciting, but most of the time you're not looking for exciting or when you, you you want to expose yourself to something exciting you go for that if it's just but most people just want something familiar that they can understand what comes next and, and appreciate the rhythm of it in the context of music it's actually fatiguing to people when you change the format too much there you go they get they, they are it used energy. to yeah it takes energy to process it and you, you're used to hearing things a certain way in a certain pattern and then that's just uprooted think of 2020 as a whole like your entire life was uprooted and it's I don't know about you guys but I feel tired just sitting at home sometimes Times. Like, there's no reason for me to be tired, but I'm tired all the time just because my routine and my way of life has been interrupted. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, people live in, in a time of insecure, you know, insecurity, uncertainty. So having something stable helps. Yep. I think that might be why we are so excited, at least here in our small circle, about a show like Strange New Worlds. It just seems like it's going to be a good old-fashioned Star Trek adventure show. You know, like that just... Yeah. With Christopher Pike and familiar thing, my, my, my teddy bear, I can... And, and even Lower you know? Decks. I mean, the premise of the show is going to be these guys are ensigns. So as soon as somebody gets promoted to security chief... The show's over. So you, the the kind of the idea is this is going to be episodic content that's going to have a format. There'll be some episodes that are more serious, some episodes that are more funny, whatever. But the idea is that these characters are going to be kind of stuck in time, like The Simpsons, um, for as long as they want to run the show. So that that also lends itself to more of the old fashioned, old school Star Trek. Yeah, Z and I were just talking about Strange New Worlds and how we wanted like Pike going on an adventure for that episode, you know, where there's a beginning, middle, and end to that episode. And maybe there's like a B storyline, but it's not every episode. Like Jake know? said, episodic TV with a memory. Well, that wraps up episode 470 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley and Peter Archibald. And here's a reminder of our community question for this week. I feel like we've asked this one before. If you had a choice on who would play Picard, who would it be 
And why? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Also, we have some really cool events coming up, including Choose Your Pain Night, where we pick our least favorite TFOs to play. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one pod. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. Even if you cannot make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the host of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Brandon, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, and associate producer, Shane Hoover, with support from Thomas of the Priority One Armada. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager and retro Trek expert, Anthony Cox. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. After vowing to be Picard, even if it was on a phone shop movie a la his Star Trek spoof, Star Force! Sci-Fi-Solation! Was that better for you, Tony? You, t- you took it from here, and then you went I'm to glad. here. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad I... I'm glad I I'm yeah, I, I'm glad actually, I can, I'm I can make you You were here and this is where we were looking for and then you went to here. I mean just I'm glad I can make you proud on your show, Tony. I'm glad I can make you proud on your show. You listen to it back in editing and you'll <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll see. You'll you'll see I'm right. You'll be like, I'm really glad he stopped me there because that one is not my best work. You'll you'll see. <laughs> you'll thank me. You'll thank me.
so I totally want to do an Aussie like all aboard right now, <laughs> but I don't know that I could pull it off. <laughs> Wait, he he did he did the uh, he did the sci-fi isolation. You can do it. Give it a shot. I mean, we can fix it in post. It's like right there. I mean, it's all aboard. <laughs> yeah, no, you got you got. We need a little more. You, you know, gotta bring it. You gotta bring it down. You gotta go all aboard. No, no, no. It's from, no, it's from Crazy no, Train. That's Co. not Ozzy. It's from Crazy Train. It's not all oh, aboard oh, from Crazy Train. I know. I, I, I can't do it. Now I've psyched myself out. I can't do it. Oh. Well. Yeah. I mean, all aboard, like that. Yeah. Well, anywho. <laughs> we need more raw. We need more like. I, Say, I can't, just yeah, start I can't from the it. lower decks hype train. That I'm gonna. Right. Use, we're gonna use that all aboard that you just did. <laughs> oh, great. The panel is just under an hour and really highlights the love all the people involved with Discovery share for one another. You'll also get some insight into how Siren... Hmm? You want me to bring... I was here, and you need it me was, to go to here? Well, you're, talk, you're, talk, you're talking about love, but I don't Do hear need, love. Oh! <laughs> oh! Is that what you need well, from me? <laughs> It was very. It was very lawyer. It was very. You were reading a deposition. Do you need me to bring so... the love, Elio? I will bring you the love. <laughs> I think it was. I think. Oh, oh this I'm just here, took a turn. And you need me to go to I... here. Stay well, tuned okay. for Priority nice One after dark. Okay. I. <laughs> hey Tony, why don't you? Hey Tony, yeah, why don't you just bring it up about fifteen percent okay, there? Okay. Okay. Here we go. Uh, crack the neck. Okay. I here, here we go. Here we go. The panel is just under an hour and really highlights the love all of the people <laughs> in the government share for one another. <laughs> You'll also get some insight into how Saranda's character was created. No, go back. What? Go back and give it to me. You're, 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 I thought that was okay. great. So I mean, everyone, you I mean, started, you let's started see what the here, chat room has to say. Here, then you gave me here, and now I need to Oh, you want like me to right go here. in the middle? Like, you, you, want the, you want me to I want you to take be the right 50%, in the middle of that. take that about seven or eight? Okay, 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 okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, here we go. Take three. Beep, beep. Or take six, probably at this point. This is Elio, feedback sync one. This is Cat, feedback sync two. This is Tony, feedback sync three, and I see what you did there, sync one. I liked it. I liked it. I, 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 every time Duncan Idaho posts a picture of the tardigrade, I kind of want to be with the tardigrade. I want to be hugging the tardigrade a little bit. Oh my God. I, I want be a in stuffed one of tardigrade. I want yeah. like a hat within a t-shirt. I want to be a tardigrade. Okay, anyway. So effing bad. <laughs> so cute. Did you hear how his voice went? I'm excited about Lord Dex. <laughs> I think it's gonna be hilarious. Yeah, you, he's you trying, guys. Listen, don't make he, listen, he's listen, don't be jealous. You know he's trying too hard with his valley girl. You know he's trying too hard. No, no, it, shut up. I was already oh, there. We arrived naturally on our own without the guiding hand of. <laughs> Didn't need a segue or nothing. It was just there. Don't question the guiding hand of Elio. Don't question the Cuban, the Cuban overlord's guiding hand here. Okay, don't. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.